Yeah, we see that all the time, actually. And, you know, especially, especially in the U.S., 40% of small merchants will actually use their personal bank account to run their business expenses. And, you know, I, th I think there, it, it highlights a, like a broader problem, right, of, you know, being able to have the tools to manage your money. Welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast, a weekly show where we bring you interviews and in the weeds expertise with today's B2B experts and thought leaders. You can see more about today's episode and guest by visiting our website at leadersofb2b.com. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B companies launch revenue-generating podcasts. We schedule interviews between you and your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up for engaging conversations. We handle everything else. Ready to build a podcast that grows your business in just one hour per week? Reach out to us at contentallies.com. Hey, leaders, welcome back. This is Ledge. It is Thanksgiving week when I'm recording this in the U.S., and I, I'm on the road sitting in my Texas house instead of my usual studio. So I'm happy to today welcome from across the pond, Asher Ismail. Please do a fabulous introduction of you and your work because we are all excited to have you here. All right. Well, thanks so much for having me. Um, it's great to be here as well. I'm, I'm Asher. I'm one of the co-founders of Uncapped. And I guess what we're really passionate about is that founders shouldn't have to give away equity in order to fund their growth. So we provide fast, flexible funding to e-commerce businesses for marketing, inventory, or hiring without personal guarantees or dilution. My background is in startups. This is the third business that I've started over the years. And you know, the biggest problem I always had was how to get the funding that I needed. And you know, working with you know, hundreds of other founders, I've seen how they've struggled too. So it's really a dream to get to work on Uncapped. Every day I get to help other entrepreneurs get the funding they need. And you know, our first customers were my friends. So from the start, we really tried to create a product that is really friendly. It's fast, fair, transparent. It's the, you know, the funding product I wish always existed. Um, we're now in 22 countries, including the US, UK, Germany, Poland, and Spain. And, you know, our business has been growing exponentially. We're deploying hundreds of millions of dollars. And we actually now fund more businesses in a day than a typical VC will fund in a year. And you and I were talking off mic, you know, this idea of how do I get the funding necessary? Like huge question. And it, it really consumes the founder, you know, in, in many cases. And there's, there's all types of funding. There's all types of, of businesses that are appropriate for kind of each type. I just wondered if maybe educate a little bit on, you know, how you see that, that play out and, and how people can best allocate their kind of limited founder and executive mindset to at least like shoot at the right areas for how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe I'll start by just giving you a little bit of background and kind of like where, where this started and a little bit of my own funding journey and some of the options kind of that I went through maybe as a, as a way to bring that to life. I guess uncapped, it, you know, it was born out of the frustrations I faced when probably launching my first business. You know, I started back in 2003 and I was young and I was just trying to raise a hundred K and I probably had a hundred meetings and got a hundred no's. And, you know, I didn't want to take financing from the banks because they all wanted personal guarantees and venture capital wasn't ideal either because, you know, I didn't have that warm introduction. I didn't have that track record. I didn't have those connections. And so I just felt like I repeatedly missed out on opportunities. 
And then when I was raising money for my second business, I thought I had it like all figured out and I raised millions in venture capital money, but then I also got terribly diluted. And I just started to realize that the options for me were really limited and it was actually just depressing to think that I could work so hard and own so little of my company. And I guess what I noticed is, you know, it wasn't just me. Like growing businesses, they're just often left to choose between raising costly venture capital or burdening themselves with traditional debt. And so I started to think there must be a better way. And that was kind of where we started working on CAP to kind of bring this more fair alternative funding. You know, first to Europe is where we launched, and then now we spread to North America. And so, uh, you know, now deploying you know tons of capital to lots of entrepreneurs, but really more than anything, helping them save millions in dilution and just kind of own more of the business. And so what, what does that actually look like? How does this different type of capital work, you know, help us see that? I was able to read the website. I think I have some idea, but uh, love to have your explanation of, you know, like tactically, what is this, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Uncapped is a, a new way for founders to fund their growth. So, you know, we, you know, come from that belief that, you know, founders shouldn't have to give away ownership of their company to fund growth. So what we do is we provide these equity and interest-free investments that start from 10K up to 5 million. And we charge a flat 6% fee on the capital we provide. And businesses only repay the capital as they make revenue with no set repayment date, no compounding interest or you know, equity or personal guarantees. Beautifully, there's also no pitching. So there's no business plans or coffees required, which means you can get back to growing your company. Maybe to give you an example, a little bit of like how it works. So, you know, for example, if you wanted 100K to spend on marketing, we take back, you know, a fixed portion of your daily revenue and say that's like five or 10% of your daily sales until we got 106K back. So there's just no hidden fees. You're just paying that 6% flat fee. And critically, because the repayments, they're tied to your revenue. If the business slows down as a founder, you're not cut out, right? The repayments just also slow down. So we believe it's, you know, the most affordable, flexible type of financing available to growth companies. And how do you do the evaluation of a, a company? Like how, how would you determine that, you know, it's a, obviously there's some kind of cash flow analysis and you just like make sure that the company can pay you back. And so what does that look like? What, what makes a good fit? Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing we think about is, um, you know, Uncast probably a good fit for you if you're generating sales online. For at least six months, you're doing at least you know 10k of revenue per month, and you're developing good unit economics. And from there, what we do is we connect to the data sources that the company uses to run. So instead of like the traditional model where you know you might show up to a bank and have to convince a bank manager, or you know you'd have to like prepare a business plan and try to you know fill in your assumptions about how your business is going to do, which might also be a lot of hogwash. What we do is we just connect to the data sources you already use. You know, you're already running your business via Stripe or Google or Facebook or, you know, with your accounting software. We have a hundred different ways that we can connect to a business. And we use that data to make a data-driven decision within 24 hours, come back to you with an offer of capital. And, you know, I think the beautiful thing about that as a founder as well, so much of the pain of raising money is, of course, having to, you know, wait, you know, patiently to try and get an answer and, you know, chase all the different investors to find out if you're going to get the money to grow. And this allows you to just really focus on you know, building your business. So it's like data-based underwriting that is not so much about the mythical 
decision-making process that you kind of wonder when you're filling out all those, you know, sort of applications and stuff that even for traditional revenue-based financing, then it's, uh, it's a lot different process if you can yeah, get right yeah. to the source data. Yeah, it's, it's all about really making a data-driven decision. And that has like, you know, two benefits. You know, one, as you say, it's like, it's incredibly fast, you know, and then that also not only fast to give you the initial offer, but also do the due diligence because we're using this live data. You know, there isn't as much to go and try and verify or confirm. But on the other side of it, it's also about, um, you know, being able to remove the bias from a lot of those decisions because we're focused on the real numbers about how the business is doing as opposed to who the founder is or where they went to school or what their background is, which unfortunately is so much of what dominates the current investment world. Yeah, you hear a lot about that in VC and that clearly isn't about, you know, the fundamentals as much as it's about, you know, sort of the network and who you know and, you know, all that that type of stuff. So do you think of this as a sort of democratization? Absolutely. And I think, you know, it it is so appropriate because there's so many founders who aren't based, for example, in a major center, right? And also, of course, have great ideas and they need access to capital. There are so many founders who come from groups that might be overlooked, right? You know, if you think about, you know, traditional models of like venture capital, such a tiny portion of all that funding, you know, goes to, goes to women or goes to people from like other diverse backgrounds. So there's such a huge opportunity to be able to, you know, equalize the playing field by really focusing on the real numbers behind those businesses and yeah, get more entrepreneurs, the capital they need to grow. Do you, do you think at all about, um, you know, I, I talk to people a lot just in the positions that that we're in and the businesses we do we do work with. You know, there's a lot of I'll say agency style and service style businesses. You know, like many times the the first time anybody steps out into solopreneurship, let's say, you know, they're they're doing an agency style or consulting style business. And uh you hear a lot of Folks, I, I hear a lot of folks in those those spaces talk about needing, you know, some capital to grow. And it just isn't a traditional model where you could do a very good job borrowing or raise. It certainly wouldn't raise any VC against that. Is there a way to make that turn so that it, there is more capital availability to, to market a, a services based business? That's that's always the hardest one to advise on. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think the, the within services businesses, the ones where, you know, we can try to fund are ones where they've gotten something that's actually like scalable and repeatable. And I think that's like the key difference. Like, you know, the reason why as well, we have this, this cutoff where we can start working with a company when they reach 10K of monthly sales is because that's kind of the point in which you've gotten to a business where it's not a side of the desk thing where it's actually something you are ready to make this into your, you know, real business, your, your main source of income. And you, there's a sense of belief that actually this is something where if I put more fuel into the fire, it's really going to grow. Right. And I think the challenge with some service businesses, if it's really dependent on individuals to deliver that work, it's a lot harder to scale that business in a way where the economics are really going to take off. Right. Because you know, in many businesses, the biggest cost is always the people that are involved. So it's just separating, you know, which of those, which of those kind of businesses are you in? And, uh, and yeah, for those ones that are really ready to scale, revenue-based finance and the model of uncapped, I think, could be an awesome fit. Yeah, very cool. So talk about your journey. I mean, you talked about the fundraising stuff, and obviously that really contributed to what 
you're doing now. But, you know, I think there's so much more that goes into that founder sort of, especially third time, you know, like lessons learned and stuff that you picked up along the way and said, oh, I'm going to keep doing that or, oh, I'm never going to do that again. You know, that that was a fantastic error. And I'm always interested to dive into those journeys and kind of say, as you look back, what was important, you know, not just the idea of, of funding, but what, how do you build and scale companies that, you know, sometimes start at the kitchen table and then grow to be hundreds and hundreds of people? Well, I guess, you know, maybe starting on the, on the funding topic, I think obviously there's a lot of things that I've learned about that and, you know, probably has driven how we built this company today and, you know, how probably I, a lot of where I advise other founders as well. And, you know, I think in terms of fundraising, one of the first things I feel like I've learned is to first ask the question, you know, should you even raise money today? Because I think so many founders jump into that because, you know, um, raising a big round to so many founders is like the symbol of success as an entrepreneur. And you can't blame them, right? Because when you see TechCrunch's headlines, they're so focused on who is raised and how much. But I think, you know, the biggest thing to realize is that real success as an entrepreneur is actually about building a profitable business, even if we don't celebrate that stuff, you know, and I think being able to, you know, encourage founders to think about if they weren't able to raise money, how would they make that their business work, but also ask smarter questions about how will their, how will that money be used and what are they willing to give up if they raise that money? Because, uh, you know, I, I've had entrepreneurs who come to me saying, I'm telling you, like, if I don't raise this money, my business is going to fail. But, you know, if you weren't able to raise that money, knowing how you make that business work, it just like removes that desperation and makes you much more investable. So I think having that, you know, the right mindset in terms of your fundraising can make a big difference to being more successful in the overall journey. Yeah, you do hear a lot, you know, I need to raise money for sales and marketing. And that's the really careful spot where you kind of say, if you don't have sales and marketing, you know, is this, is, is, is the putting fuel on the fire because it's already good? Or is it trying to keep the doors open for a thing that isn't selling well? And, and you're right. The data would, would bear that out. You could, you could pull down the accounting statements and look at the month over month performance and really quickly understand, you know, um, is this a solution looking for a, a problem? And it's so easy to get enamored with your own business thing that maybe just shouldn't exist. And then there isn't a market for, <laughs> so I don't yeah, know if you've I think done that. Like I have done that. So <laughs> I think something to learn as well is that, um, you know, quitting is for winners is like another lesson, which is that Sometimes, you know, if you are really finding yourself like truly hitting a wall, of course, you, you need to keep pushing, you need to go from different angles. And as an entrepreneur, you, you know, you're ingrained in you to keep going, right? Because it's going to be an incredibly tough thing. You know that. But also there's moments where you need to realize that actually maybe I'm doing this because of momentum, right? This isn't maybe actually the thing I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm just feeling like I have to do this because I've been doing it for so long. And, you know, making that realization is an important one because it gives you the chance to move on and actually find the thing that is the right thing that you should be doing. That is that bigger opportunity. I think and someone else made a good analogy to me once, which was this idea that, you know, as an entrepreneur, you can spend so much time thinking about like climbing the ladder without necessarily thinking about what wall is that ladder leaning against? Is that the right wall? 
And I think it's just good to have that broader mindset on things, especially for fundraising. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, just, uh, am I even trying to scale the right thing? <laughs> you know, it's scaled by climbing. Yeah. I mean, it just like, should we, or should we not be doing this? And, and the opportunity cost of your own time and attention, you know, is, is so critical. Absolutely. And you have to really believe in that idea because, you know, if you're going to need capital to make your idea go forward, fundraising is not easy, right? It's like one of the most frustrating time draining activities that you as a founder just have to undertake and part of that growth journey. And, you know, if you're not fully bought into that idea, it's going to be really tough to really then, you know, compel other investors to be part of it as well and like join you on it. So I think, you know, having that right mindset from the early days is, is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, have often been told that the cheapest form of capital is being able to fund out of revenue and operating cash flow. I guess is that is that still true? <laughs> absolutely. I would say you know, self funding is definitely the first option that founders have, and of course, the benefit is that you have full ownership, right? But the cost of it is that you know, growth can be very slow because you can only reinvest the profits. And, you know, we had um, actually some founders that we've been working with recently run this business called Hedowin. And they are this incredible, like sustainable fashion brand. But they had this challenge that so many entrepreneurs who work in the fashion space have, which is that, you know, they can basically only reinvest the profits of one season into the next season, right? So they're constantly juggling inventory and marketing and thinking about where can they put their cash. And that ultimately limits you know, their growth. And Alex and Anna are the founders of, of this company, Hedowin, and they're both incredibly savvy. They both you know, came from like finance backgrounds. So they were like keen to explore like every option that they could from like VC to like venture debt. And you know, what they realized was they needed an option that was more affordable, that like matched the margins of the business they were generating and would actually let them you know, keep more of their business. And so we were able to fund them, for example, we gave them a 50K advance and they used it to increase their inventory. And then with that funding, basically in one quarter, they saw their revenues grow 11,000% compared to the previous year. And it, to me, I think it's such a crazy thing because it just makes you realize that there's so many entrepreneurs who, if you just took the right founder with the right business and actually gave them the capital that they needed, they could unlock like a massive like growth opportunity. And you would know that from the data, I guess, right? You would be able to say, if I looked at the data of a previous season and it sells out every time, then clearly we have an issue of being able to just, we want to, what do we, the fuel we need is just more inventory. And thus you yeah. need to pre-fund the inventory. And and to borrow that at, at 6% is a no brainer for the markup that you might get there. Absolutely. And I think like the shift we're seeing as well is, you know, there's been so many challenges in supply chains. We see it right more than ever because of the floods in China, the challenges with COVID. These things have made it really hard to be, especially an e-commerce entrepreneur in this, in this, you know, golden quarter season where some of your biggest sales are coming. And that makes it incredibly tough when actually you don't know where your inventory is going to be. And so, so many founders are, are trying to play a different strategy now where they're guarding against that and thinking about, well, how can I order that bigger allotment of inventory? And, you know, maybe instead of thinking about what is that, what does that do to my cash flow? How could I actually offset the cost of capital 
by getting a discount by making that bigger order. So, you know, we had a founder who um, runs a business where they got a 10% savings on the cost of their inventory. And, you know, they more than made it up because they paid a 6% fee to get the capital to get that funds. So I think like, you know, being able to employ some strategies where you're thinking about your working capital and, you know, figuring out ways to actually unlock those problems is how you get to that next level of growth. And I think it's just going to be, you know, more and more the case given like the challenging times that we're in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's that's a beautiful arbitrage right there to, to be able to put that yeah. <laughs> in place. Do you anticipate changing in any way going forward or adding different tiers, you know, such that maybe there is an opportunity to expand some of these relationships into equity or, or other types of uh, involvement in the business? I mean, it, it sounds like sometimes there are businesses where you got to go, yeah, wow, I wish I really had a piece of that. And maybe that would be good for everybody. <laughs> well, you know, I guess our belief with equity is that we're trying to provide this alternative to equity. So I would say probably it's a little bit uh, against our, our, our thesis about how people should build a company. But what we are trying to do is think about all the different cash flow situations that founders are in and how can we, you know, serve each of them. If you think about like a big corporation, right, they have somebody who actually is trying to figure out for each use case of capital in their business how do they align that with the right source of capital, right? So they would be thinking about, you know, things like, okay, I got this asset. Great. I can securitize that. I can get a certain fee, a certain rate or interest to be able to fund that. I got another part of my business and, you know, that's at a higher risk level. So I'm going to get somebody to be interested in that. As, a, as an entrepreneur who's building us, you know, a, a smaller business, of course, you don't have the access and resources to do that. But what we're trying to do at Uncapped is actually give entrepreneurs access to more products that actually meet their unique needs. And so, you know, thinking about all the different types of companies with different cash flows and different working cycles, building products for them. And we've done that in a couple of ways. Like, you know, one, we launched a, a product where, you know, if you're funding on marketing, hey, we're able to give you a card that you can then use to, you know, pay for those marketing sources and access this cheap cost of capital. If you have inventory, we have other products for that. If you need cash, there's also products where we can support you in that regard. Um, we can think about the payment terms that you have and think about how to flex them and make them right for your business and like what are your needs and depending on what you want to spend it on. So I think the future is so much more about just trying to be innovative in a space where historically, probably, you know, we've seen um, a really limited range of solutions, you know, despite the diversity of, you know, all the different businesses and entrepreneurs that exist. Historically, there's really only been two options to fund the company's growth, right? We either had debt or we've had equity. And I think, you know, the idea that now we need more models is um, really exciting. And I think more and more entrepreneurs are like waking up to this idea that there's different ways to fund my business. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, I'm reminded of having to look up, you know, factoring and seeing if that was something I ever wanted to do. And that just seemed like it, it was never really a, a very good thing. But if I had this giant PO that I had to figure out how to deliver you know, as an early stage business, it was really one of the only ways that you could go about that. And, and it was expensive and it didn't really feel good, but there, was, there wasn't a lot of options. Yeah. And I think the hardest one with factoring is that sometimes you have to sign a personal guarantee. So, you know, that idea that, you know, you would need to put up your assets potentially for a business that you don't own the full business. It's a really crazy idea, right? And it, it uh, you know, really limits what then people feel comfortable going and doing. There was a study done by the British Business Bank, and they showed that 73% of entrepreneurs forego growth opportunities 
because they're afraid that if they borrowed that money, they you know might not be able to afford the repayments, right? And you know the same thing with factoring. Like that's why factoring can you know be an option for folks, but also can be concerning if you know that contract doesn't actually come through. And I think trying to give people options where that's not the case just makes them able to just help us grow at this bigger pace. And if you think about what's going to help our economy and what's going to solve our future problems and challenges, it's entrepreneurs. So like, how do we back them to go and create those? Yeah. How do you allow for, I mean, some percentage of them will, you know, accidentally fail and best case scenario is, is, you know, that you have enough of a risk pool essentially that that doesn't happen. But, um, what does happen if, if things go south for the business before they repay? Well, you know, one, we need to be really smart uh, about how, where we put our money, of course. Uh, it's a bit different. I think, you know, when you think about like a VC, they need, you know, one in 10 businesses to succeed. We need like 99% of the businesses we back to succeed. So that's why we have a different approach is why we, you know, use live data to really understand businesses and build this 360 degree approach. We never make an offer that we don't think the business can afford. So I think that's a key difference as well. And then we also are working with the founders to try and help them get to that next level of growth, right? Because since we have all this data, it also gives us the ability to be the smartest money that a founder could have, right? Because we can turn around the same insights we use to underwrite to identify the opportunities in their business and you know help them unlock the growth that we see is there. So I think those things are really cool and, and, really, and really help. But fundamentally, our model is that if your revenues slow down, so do the repayments. And if they stop, so do the repayments. And it really happens. So I think it's that idea that you know um, it really gives founders that confidence to be able to go. And for the most part, that, that seems to be turning out and you know is a really model that, that's really working. Yeah, fantastic. Where'd the six percent come from? Is that is that a equation based on some kind of complicated math that was necessary? Or, you know, it's just a nice number, or you know, I'm always interested in, in cash flow modeling. Yeah, it's basically the the balance between making sure it's a win-win situation. So it's enough for us to cover our cost of capital, for us to you know support the businesses in the way we do, to fund our acquisition and all those things, while still making it an amazing deal for founders. I think especially in the context of if they were comparing it to the cost of, of equity, right? Because equity is the, you know the most expensive way, of course, to grow your business, and depending on what the what the rate of it could be, you know, it could be hundred percent IRR. So being able to think about you know the comparison to that and making sure that founders know uh, this is a better option for them is is the basis of it. Yeah, and I'm, I got to imagine that there's a lot of founders who got stuck putting thirty thousand dollars of inventory on a, a credit card or something even more awful <laughs> than you know like so I, I'm sure that happened all the time and to have this solution at a fixed rate is a, is a tremendous boon. Yeah, we see that all the time, actually. And, you know, especially especially in the U.S., 40% of small merchants will actually use their personal bank account to run their business expenses. And, you know, I, th- I think there, it, it highlights a, like a broader problem, right, of, you know, being able to have the tools to manage your money as an entrepreneur also need to be worked on. And that's actually kind of where we're going with Uncap next. So, you know, our broader vision, we started with, you know, founder-friendly capital, but you know, our broader vision is actually to support founders with you know all their money management needs, and uh, you know what we're what we're doing is like building banking for you know companies that really want to scale. 
So thinking about what are some of the particular challenges that they face around managing their money, around getting the insights that they need, making payments, and you know, trying to solve some of those challenges too, because yeah, you know, one part is working capital, but the other part is management of money. Both are tough. And movement of money. I mean, so you're you're speaking to me right now. I mean, the, like the ridiculous things that you run into. Uh, maybe it's not everywhere, but at least I know in the U.S., like we, for example, in this new world where no one needs to be in the same room to do anything, you can't get a bank account for a business without having your people there to sign a, you know, a signature card together and we're never in the same state and just funny stuff like that. And even sending money to Canada, I mean, you would think it's <laughs> like you're trying to, you know, just it's, it's incredible how, how moving money and, uh, you know, all the trouble that you run into is that there's a huge opportunity for, for innovation there, uh, particularly around, you know, some of the, the core players that, could use a little disruption. So uh, I'm absolutely. voting, I'm voting for you. <laughs> <laughs> we had an insight with one of our customers actually recently where, you know, they, we have, we have a tool to help founders like pay, pay their bills. And we had this customer who like frantically emailed and basically said, Hey, can you, can you hold that payment? And we thought, Oh, did something go wrong? You know, is there some, some potential issue here that paid the wrong person? And they were like, Oh no, I just noticed that the currency is up. I just want to wait till the U.S. dollar comes down, you know. And so, it made us just start thinking about the fact that so many entrepreneurs are, you know, as you say, they're they're thinking about banking globally, and uh, you know, in this current world where we're sending things across the world and shipping products to people in different markets, you know, the idea of of paying, you know, FX fees can be really critical to impacting your margins, especially when they're tight. So, yeah, you know, one of one of the things that we've actually built is the ability for founders to access super cheap rates on FX. So, you know, the basically the cheapest rates that we know that anybody offers on the payments that they process with us is just like an, an added benefit of, of being able to, to work with us and, you know, get, get, get further benefit from the money they already have. So let me ask you, I, I always have my guests sort of put on the, the future hat, you know, the futurist. And if you look at the next three years, I mean, we've been talking a lot about this stuff. You guys obviously have a visionary view of all the things that, are next, but what are, what are those top major changes and trends that, you know, entrepreneurs in general should be thinking about as they step into 2022 and beyond? Well, I think probably the biggest shift that's impacting us is, you know, how we've shifted our behavior online, right? So the pandemic, it really accelerated like e-commerce penetration to a level we weren't expecting would happen for another 10 years. And, you know, I think that's a trend that's not going to go away. You know, 40% of all commerce, excluding grocery, is now online. And, you know, I think in this, in this coming period, what we're going to see is, you know, the idea that we need to, you know, service more of those entrepreneurs because, you know, they are now actually the biggest underserved banking segment, right? Because all of them have grown out of this period, but they have unique needs and no one's really servicing them. So I think that's one kind of shift that we're going to have. The other one I would say is around like, you know, raising capital. I think some beautiful things have happened in this period as well. Like we kind of alluded to them, you know, it used to be when you need to raise money, you need to shake someone's hand and meet them in person. And of course, fundraising has now compressed into 30 minute chunks of virtual Zoom meetings where, you know, location is less relevant. And we have this, you know, ability for people in 
far-flung place of the world to actually build, have a better chance of being successful and, and building a business. I think that's only going to continue. Like, you know, what we're trying to do, of course, is completely remove those barriers and think about really how do we focus so much on data and use data-driven decisions to kind of support people in, in more places. I think that's going to be a pattern that, that keeps expanding. And as well, along with that, this idea of alternative sources of capital, because I think there are much better suited options for founders than massive venture funds. And now there's literally more options than ever. And I think that now that folks uh, have seen that, um, have gotten comfort with the idea that we can move beyond just those basic equations of debt and equity, I think they're going to have an expectation for it. And I think it's just, you know, the, the tip of the iceberg. Can't wait. Sounds like a, a brilliant new future. <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you, Asher, for, for coming on and, and sharing these insights. We uh, certainly look forward to seeing what what you guys have going on next. Anybody who wants to reach out to you personally or, you know, to the company, what's the, the best way to do that? Well, the best way is probably on LinkedIn, um, Asher Ismail. Um, every week I actually post um, ideas about how to help other entrepreneurs scale their business. So it's, it's a, a great way if you're looking for some additional insights and lessons. Um, I try to put something out every week. But also I kind of had a, a special offer for the listeners of your podcast, especially ones who might be running like an e-commerce store, which you know we're, we're really, really keen to be funding at the moment. If you have a business that is an e-commerce store and you're doing at least you know, 10K per month, and you want to you know, scale your campaigns faster, you just want to purchase more inventory, maybe hire some more folks, we would love to help. Um, and actually last month we ran this, this huge campaign where we funded hundreds of store owners and we gave them up to 50K absolutely free. So no fee, normally charge that 6% fee, but in the last month we did it for exactly zero. And you know, on our website, you won't find mention of this anymore, it's gone. But we thought for listeners of the podcast, we'd be ready to make it happen again. And so all you have to do is reach out to me at asher at weareincapped.com with the subject line secret 50K and a bit about you to see if you qualify. And uh, yeah, we'd love to make it happen. So excited to hear about you and some of your listeners. Well, that's very special. Thank you so much. I'm also surprised and I uh, hope everybody takes advantage of that so thanks so much for for doing that and we'll make sure we uh we let them know all right thanks so much asher thanks for hanging out really appreciate the insights no problem great to be here thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode of the leaders of b2b podcast if you enjoyed the show please give us a five-star rating and as always, you can see more information about this episode and all the resources mentioned at leadersofb2b.com.